We're uh, approaching the end of our series about older people in the Bible. Uh, we've had equal numbers of boys and girls, even though boys get written up rather more in the Bible than girls do, because we want to be even-handed, and because the message of the Bible is for boys and girls alike. And this week, we have come to, I hope, Solomon, the third king of Israel. Now, we know about Solomon because he appears in uh, the Book of Kings, and we know about the other kings of Israel because they're in both Kings, both Chronicles. And the big picture of all these books which tell us about this uh, several centuries of history is this. Quotation marks. We were rescued from Egypt by the living God. We were pushed around a bit by surrounding tribes. We won some, we lost some. There was the period of the judges, uh, for example, Samson and Gideon. But then we had kings. Saul first, followed by David, the greatest king ever. And then Solomon, the richest ever. David captured Jerusalem and established Israel as a significant country, beating up many of the surrounding nations, and we were secure. And his son Solomon traded far and wide, was immensely rich, built the best temple in the world. And just look at us now. The books of Kings end with the Israelites being conquered by the Babylonians and taken away as slaves. So the question the Book of Kings sets out to answer is, where did it all go wrong? So, thinking about Solomon, who, when and why, when he was made king, he was not the oldest son of King David, his father. Uh, as David got too old and decrepit to rule decisively, People wanted to choose the next king from a whole range of possible sons. Now, David uh, eventually decided to settle this uh, by appointing Solomon, the son of his favourite wife Bathsheba. And so there was Solomon. Uh, one day uh, he's a second, third, fourth son, no expectation of becoming king. And the next day he's riding the king's donkey, he's in charge of an army, responsible for a priesthood, in possession of considerable wealth already, and lumbered with his father's temple-building project. What on earth is he going to do? So he went to sleep. When the brain is off duty, what you really think or want, want tends to come to the surface, and in your dreams God can sometimes be heard more clearly than at other times. And so it was. He dreams that God visits him. <coughs> At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. And he chooses wisdom to rule the people. It's a good answer. Uh, he could have asked for great wealth, even greater wealth, or the death of his enemies, but he asked for wisdom to rule the people, because otherwise he hasn't got a clue what to do. And God is pleased to give him exceptional wisdom. Now, I'm sure when, if you were ever in Sunday school when you were younger, I, I missed out on that stage, but uh, I guess many of you were in Sunday school and will be, would have been given colouring sheets. 
to illustrate the best bits of the Bible. And so here's one of the best bits. Two women have come to see uh, Solomon complaining that uh, the baby that has survived in their household is one baby or the other person's baby. And Solomon is asked to decide whose baby it really is. So Solomon, of course, is not in the picture because he's a king now. So he gets one of his henchmen uh, to get the baby and cut it in two so they can have half each. Uh, this is um, not quite PC these days, uh, <laughs> but uh, the reaction he has flushed out is this. The one mother doesn't care very much uh, and uh, uh, doesn't care if the baby's chopped in two, but the other one loves the baby. Her heart is with the future of the baby, wants the baby to prosper. So even if she can't have him home, she'd rather give it away to the other horrible woman uh, so that it at least survives that far. And that's a famous story about Solomon and he was famous for his wisdom in that and all other ways, lots of other ways as well. And God gave him this exceptional wisdom. He also gave him the wealth that Solomon had not asked for. Wealth is small change in God's sight, but he does delight to give us things that will be good for us. So, asking for wisdom was a good answer, but we'll come back to that later. Now, the question we might ask at this point is, where did it all go wrong for Solomon? Time goes by, 20 years, and God visits him again. By this stage, as the beginning of the first reading tells us, he had finished building the temple using the stores that David had set aside. He had built a house or palace really for himself and for the daughter of Pharaoh that he had married. And now God comes to speak to him a second time, a sort of midlife checkup or an MOT if you like. And he poses the big question. If you walk before me faithfully, with integrity of heart and uprightness, as David your father did, and do all I command and observe, my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. But if you don't, then I will cut off Israel from the land. So the big question for Solomon at this point in his life is, will Solomon observe his commands and decrees? <coughs> Now, although Solomon was a good king to start with, the verdict of history is not quite so kind. Here I would like to show you a colouring sheet of what went wrong, but I couldn't find any. Colouring sheets you give to children show the good bits about people, and they gloss over the bits that aren't so good, uh, that we rather they didn't quite remember. But the story goes on. Later, having completed all this, he started marrying extra wives. And what's more, not just uh, any old local women, but from various countries where the Jews were not supposed to intermarry with them. Uh, people from Moab or Ammon or Edom, uh, Edom rather, or Sidon, or from the Hittites. And worse than that, uh, he was led astray by them. So here is Solomon with his wives. Uh, I didn't quite have time to fill in their names or anything, but Solomon's in blue because he's a boy, and those other five squares are supposed to be pink, but that didn't quite work out in terms of difference between my screen and this screen. So him and his five wives. Um, he can afford it, of course. Um, it's not just five, he had more besides. But with them, because they came from these foreign countries, lurking behind them were bad things as well. 
because they worshipped other false gods. And he wasn't supposed to do that. And as time went by, the false gods became more important, he became smaller, they be the wives became smaller, and the worship of the false gods became more and more dominant until it led everyone astray. And all down the centuries of decline that followed uh, Solomon, from the high points of Israel down to exile in Babylon, many of the foreign kings, not all, but many of them, also built temples for foreign people, foreign, uh, foreign deities and idols and shrines and perverted the true worship of God. And because they did that, the nation kept on declining until they were taken away into slavery again in Babylon. So the question is, how did Solomon let that start to happen? Should Solomon have known and seen this coming? Perhaps we need to review his religious education. He lived after Moses, of course, so he knew what Moses said, and he lived after the escape from Egypt, so he knew about that. And he knew that the first commandment was, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. He also knew that Moses had gone on uh, to enlarge on this, saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And although he lived before Jesus came to earth, uh, we know that Jesus endorsed this as the greatest commandment. Teacher, someone asked him, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So surely Solomon knew this first commandment, to have no other gods. Perhaps he excused himself by saying they were only his wives' gods, so he hadn't got them. But that's a bit weak, really. And other gods tend to get out of their box uh, and get people round about. He kept the rules and commandments pretty much uh, as regards building the temple and so on. He exercised the wisdom God had given him. But what about loving God with all your heart? Heart was not there in the question that God just asked him. Anyway, about uh, the commandments he ought to have known. What about earlier examples in history? Uh, he knew surely about Samson, uh, the prophet who was undone by Delilah, the wife he shouldn't have married from a foreign country that wiggled out of him knowledge of how to make him powerless by cutting his hair. What about his own father's example in living memory? Now, um, Solomon was obviously not born uh, when David, his father, seduced his mother Bathsheba, who was at that time already married to Uriah, one of David's soldiers. David had Uriah killed so that he could marry her in time, compounding adultery with murder. And later, Solomon was their son, conceived after that marriage had been formalised, if you can call it that. So with that background, perhaps they didn't talk about that very much at home. However, David did write about it, uh, and his older brothers probably uh, told him about it 
when his parents didn't. And also probably Nathan the prophet was still around in the early parts of uh, Solomon's reign. So one way or another, Solomon should have known that David, although he had uh, committed a great sin by seducing Bathsheba, he was also absolutely gutted when he was challenged about his actions and how David pleaded with God for forgiveness. And it is thought that Psalm 51 uh, was written by David at about that time, expressing uh, his uh, remorse uh, and his plea for forgiveness uh, that flowed from that. And though it probably wasn't called Psalm 51 at that time, it would have been around uh, in the time of Solomon already. But what did he do? Instead of following on the commandments, the examples, the family history, he just took one life, one wife after another and got led further astray. Solomon just did not turn back at any point down that path. So here is the contrast. David on the one hand wobbled, you might say, but repented wholeheartedly when he was challenged about it. On the other hand, Solomon who seems to have seen nothing wrong with all his foreign wives and their heathen temples. Or to put it more shortly, there was David who was called a man after God's own heart, and on the other hand, Solomon, whose heart was evidently elsewhere. So, reflecting on that, is there any hope? When Solomon asked God for wisdom, way back, was that the best possible choice he could have made? Could he have asked for a heart like David's? Would that have been even more valuable? And what of us today? We may have done well so far, but that doesn't guarantee that we will finish okay. Perpetual vigilance is required to spot as early as possible if we're letting something else take God's place in our lives. And of course, we're not just talking about taking foreign wives, because most of us can't afford that anyway. Uh, it's about whatever else might become a substitute for uh, anchoring our whole hearts, our whole life, our whole desires on God himself. We need to ask ourselves what else, uh, being okay in itself, quite likely, could nevertheless lead us indirectly astray. If we ask him, do you think our Father in heaven will help us? Jesus had something to say about this. He had been speaking about prayer, and he finishes up by posing this question. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are relatively evil, will know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? <laughs>